Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Afterwork Drinks, your twice-weekly dose of news, pop culture, and Pinot Noir, brought to you by magazine editors and best friends, Isabel Truman and Grace O'Neill. Hello, everybody. Welcome to week one trillion of quarantine and week three of Afterwork Drinks dinner parties. I know. Are you sick of us yet? Because I'm sick of these Zoom calls every day of my life. <laughs> Jokes. We, they either have to be like really late at night or first thing in the morning for one of us so we just can't go to sleep or go to bed without having done i know and then either one of us one of us is drunk and one of us is incredibly sober is stone cold sober yeah so it's an interesting mix so on the agenda this week our first dinner party guest is georgia curry who is the founder of renowned new zealand fashion label georgia alice georgia launched her brand in 2012 and she's since gone on to be one of the country's most renowned designers Everyone in New Zealand, everyone in the Australian fashion industry owns something by Georgia. She makes such incredible, well-made clothes. Uh, also, Rosie Huntington-Whiteley is obsessed with it. She can't go, like, two days without wearing one of Georgia's designs and countless other celebrities. She stopped on Netta Porter. But even better than all of that, she's an amazing, kind, and generous woman. Despite being a new mother and in the middle of the biggest test of her business since its launch, Georgia gave us her Friday night wholeheartedly and read us synopsis from the back of books all night long from several books (laughs) (laughs) 
And then we have Tilly Lawless, who is just this incredible local force of nature that we've wanted to talk to for a very long time. She's an Australian sex worker, activist and writer. She's given TED Talks. She's appeared on documentaries for the ABC. She became an international sensation in 2015 when she launched the viral hashtag Faces of Prostitution Movement. And she's just basically an incredibly eloquent, interesting, well-rounded, amazing feminist icon. Love her. Then it's over to Isabella Farrell, who's a New York-based actress, model, and the host of the cooking show Chow Bella. She is hilarious. She's one of our favorite people on Instagram. She's basically our muse, and she is one of my friends from New York who we got on the show to talk all things, basically, food, Instagram, and pandemic life. So, enjoy. Yes, please enjoy, rate, review, and subscribe, and we will see you again on Wednesday. Bye. Bye. Hello. Hello. I have um, two glasses of champagne in case I run out of this one. Perfect. I said to Lewis to um, expect text messages if I run out. Yes, perfect. (laughs) I've done that before. I'm, I'm actually doing this from bed. But I've got a gown on. Oh my god, Ooh. that's very like aspirational work from home. I know. Yes. <laughs> Should we start talking yeah. pod? Yeah. Yeah. Let's start talking okay. pod. How are you taking it in terms of the like how's the George Ellis side of things going? Yeah. Yeah. House business. <laughs> house business. Um, <laughs> it's it's kind of weird because I haven't really been I haven't been able to meet in person with my business advisor. Um. And generally, I'm much better in person. We can kind of nut ideas out, look at profit and loss, look at balance sheets, plan plan the financial year ahead. Um, and we're in the middle of kind of wrapping last financial year at the moment, and we can't get into the studio to do a stock take. So there's like, there's it, it, it's kind of this weird thing of being like, I know, you know, like markets cancelled, so we're not traveling in June anymore. We wouldn't have had a collection ready anyway because we've lost this time which we would normally be working on the range so we're like do we push it to september and so the cogs in the business are shifting and i can't i don't feel like i can give like a, a proper idea to anyone about what's going to happen because i I'm, I'm it's like i'm frozen in like a a thing because we're in this kind of lockdown and so like I can look at numbers and I can kind of do projections and all of these things but until there is sort of like a sense of normality and I can get back into the studio and we're sampling and I can see all my team other you know rather than just being on a call like we're on I'm I I feel like I can't even really make big bigger decisions that need to be made does that make sense Yeah. yeah, and it's also, like, the whole thing, like, the dichotomy of being a fashion designer is obviously always that the essence of your job is creativity because mm. that's what people yeah. want from you and that's what is yeah. being good at your job. But then, like, yeah. you cannot be creative in a vacuum and there needs to be a business around it and then, like, an unforeseeable event like this would just quash mm. the creativity, I would imagine, because it's just anxiety-inducing and whatever. And then yeah. the business side is then the thing you have to deal with I don't know I just feel like that would be really difficult yeah it's it's really um like for a long well for a while in Georgia Ellis anyway I had kind of 
definitely in the last six months been like this 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 fashion industry needs to change Mm. you know like I go through cycles of burnout where I'm like Mm. okay I'm working on this new collection and then it's so much there's just it's just like never stop yeah and so I think you know for me getting to a point where I was like I can only come into the studio two days a week because mentally I was on the brink of having a mental breakdown to be perfectly honest that was right after London basically um and then COVID happened which just like pushed me deeper into like feeling pretty bad but then I I don't know what it is but having the time the forced time and also knowing like you said that everyone else in the world is going through it. And, and a lot of people are in far worse positions. Mm. Um, it's given me a chance to be really, um, like if I wasn't a hundred percent happy, like don't get me wrong, George Ellis is great. Mm. And I love it so much, but if it's not exactly as I want it to be, and I don't feel like I've had the time to make those changes that I, that I know I need to make for myself, for my team and for the wider good of the universe and the planet and, you know, the sustainability issues and all of that stuff. If I haven't had the time to do that, then this ha- this whole lockdown has just given me an opportunity to be like, I need to make changes. And so I've got this new kind of sense of like purpose and motivation moving forward of it not just being this weird fashion cycle anymore like what do I want GA to be and I thought and that's the thing like that's with us as well with writing if we ever wrote a story and we were getting pushed for deadline when we knew it would be way better than it than it was we knew if we just interviewed one more person that would make the whole story completely different if we had an extra day on it it would make the change like you you would you just don't feel proud of it you don't even want to put it out there and it just feels like such a waste and that's the first time when you saying that that I've thought of it from a designer's perspective, having these crazy deadlines, having so many different collections a year, having so many different showings, all of these timeframes you have to stick to as a creative. It's like, if it's not done by then and you're having to force it out and then also release it to the world. And I saw you posting about sustainability and the earth and oh, everything yeah, today. It's like, today. Then, you, then, it, then everything just feels like so much more of a waste. You're like, well, fuck. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, even that when I put that out today on my Instagram, because I was sitting there going, okay, well, I, I want to be more, um, I can't even say the word sustainable. I know. <laughs> so yeah. don't get me it's started. just thrown around but, like but crazy. I, I, I want to be a more conscious brand, but I'm also, I'm, and so, but I'm feeling really confused. I find it to be really murky and unclear on, on how to go about it. Um, and so it was really interesting putting that out and getting the responses that I got because for the first time, like all of the little things that I feel, you know how you have like gut feelings and I've never really spoken to anyone about them, but all of the gut feelings that I've had in terms of that kind of side to fashion, I was just getting all of these responses and it's just confirmed to me some of the ideas that I had in my head and it, and so I, I've just, I've just been so positive today because of that. Like, the, you know, young women and men who were messaging me who are so, so wanting things to be better, but are also aware of the, comp- the complications and the complexities of 
sustainability in fashion and that it isn't just like this blanket term that makes someone good and someone bad it's like you know the whole point of you know a t-shirt a t-shirt takes mm. 2200 and something liters of water to make Crazy. it doesn't matter if it's yeah. organic mm. cotton or non-organic cotton it's the same yeah right there's just so many clothes in the world as it's, well. it's, it's too crazy. much stuff this is the thing that i think it comes down to at the end of the day how you make it i think if you make it well and you like reduce the waste in how you make it but you're still making like fucking fifty thousand of them it doesn't matter you know and this is the thing that's so difficult with brands because i think designers are all aware of this and designers are all like i would rather have a kind of small maybe twice yearly collection or just a base collection that things get added to or that get built on or whatever but to do that means to like step outside of the system which makes their business model viable yeah. it's Quite so complicated yeah. it's it's yeah yeah and like fashion week how are you putting that down a runway at paris fashion week but only having 10 items like yeah i just feel like when we were there when we were just at paris and milan fashion week that was the main thing we were talking about every at the end of every single show i was like beautiful but we just saw that exact same really nice leather jacket, long leather jacket, in every single show we went to, there was a different variation. There was a different variation of every single thing. And I was just like, God, there's just so much stuff. And this is what my points that I I kind of took away from that small little exercise today was um, as consumers, we need to be a moving force in the industry as well. So like, instead of like buying something all the time. And I think it's more of a fast fashion issue. That's where it needs to stop. Like we need to stop buying fast fashion firstly. Mm. And then it's like holding on to our garments. Like I had this lady message me and she had her daughter in her grandmother's kimono, you know, she's Japanese. And she was like, my daughter is in my grandmother's kimono and I will keep this for my grandchildren. And she was like, you know, if things are special, you can keep them for a really long time. I think that's the scary but also amazing thing that I learned today was that my business might take a massive hit revenue-wise and my profits might go back to what they were five years ago, but I actually don't care because I want to feel good about what I'm doing Mm -hmm. and I want to feel authentic about my existence. I want to feel authentic in it. I hope you can't. Can you hear my dog snoring? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <great. laughs> I, I thought, thought it was, was Earl. I thought it was, Earl. I thought it was Earl. And so I was like, so I was like, this is cute because we'll just be like George's baby. Was Same. I was like, we cannot ask her was... to move her child. It's my stinky bulldog. I'll kick him out. I'll kick her out. I can't actually believe I haven't really properly spoken to anyone for a month. <laughs> it's easily done. And like, I, I'll get caught, um, lots of texts from friends, people who I genuinely care about, like you, and being like, call me tomorrow, you know, and me being like, of course, I'll call you tomorrow. And then I just don't. I've had to do like a redemptive thing yesterday where I messaged like nine people that I'd really neglected and now I've just crammed them all into this weekend which is fucking crazy so which is exactly what I do and then I end up getting overwhelmed and before I even have one call I'm like I'm cancelling all of them again yeah same 
terrible. I don't know what that is. I don't know what it is either because I was trying to figure it out because I was like, I get, I get, sometimes I have friends in my messenger where seeing them is like, like I compared it to my friend who was like, what the fuck is up with you? And I was like, I feel like it's like an unpaid bill. And I feel Mm. the more I see it, the more anxious it makes me. So the more I ignore it. And then all of a sudden it becomes this big thing instead of just this little thing. And they're like, just, just be like, Hey, I'm busy. But I'm like, I just, I can't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what the worst one is that I've ever done? Yeah. So obviously I had a midwife who has had more impact on me than probably any female I've had in my life because she was so incredible during my birth and in in the aftermath, which by the way is far harder than labor and being pregnant. Breastfeeding sucks. Anyway, and I like didn't get her a present and it's now been it's now been 15 months no no because do people <laughs> usually get them presents? 15 months well you know like you know like for someone who's had such an impact on me beyond like being a mother and being able to care for Earl when he was born and get myself through the labor and help me with all the stuff around that she was like a really incredible woman to have in my life external to all of that and I feel like she really changed everything for me and do you know what it was it was like I I tried writing a letter I think I've got like 50 attempts in my bedside drawer of like trying to to get out from my brain how much this woman impacted me and I just couldn't do a good enough job and then I put pressure on like trying to find a present for her and then I got so overwhelmed and too much Mm, for me this all the time that I put it into like a thing where I just have ignored it and I, I now, th- this is a relationship with a woman that I feel like, you know, I would have liked to have continued and like text her and been like, how's everything going? Like, had any cool birth stories lately? Or like, you know, how's life? And I feel like I can't even like reach out anymore because I feel so guilty for being, like not being able to com- communicate how amazing she is. Yeah, but it's just a silly thing where you get in your head. I think something really, that, that I find really interesting as well is that there's like love languages that you have in your mm. romantic relationships. But I think love languages more so for me apply to friendships where I'm like the way I give and receive love in a friendship is like my love language is just words. That's it. So I don't need people to show up for me. I don't need them to give me birthday presents. I don't need them to do activities with me. I don't need them to remember dates. I don't like, I just I'm need them the to same. be like, you're great. Or like, you're doing well. Or like, I love you. Or like, words blah, of affirmation. Blah, blah. yeah, that's literally words of affirmation. If, if my friend sent me that like once a week, I would be like set. Whereas for other people, their love language is like activities together, turning up for things, doing like gift giving, all of this stuff and it's like you have to be aware that just because it's not your love language doesn't mean that theirs isn't valid and like yeah. shift and cater to them like that, that I hadn't thought about it recently I thought about it in my relationship but not in friendships and I think it's really Same. important I haven't mm. I haven't thought about it in friendships either like in my my relationship with Lou I, I know exactly our dynamic and and you kind of just roll with it and you figure it out but I hadn't thought about it in, in that way before with just like regular friends me either what do you think i can't think of what mine would be in friendships do you know what mine is in a friendship grace i mine's probably like... i think you do like you're a very like i don't know if it's acts of service but you're like a very giving yeah, person yeah, yeah, where you're yeah. like but you'll bring someone coffee or like buy them some like nice yeah. food or bring them a gift or come to their house and yeah whenever i do the 
test it says that mine's gifts yeah. and so I'm always like god that makes me sound so superficial because it sounds like I want gifts but it's more that I like giving yes and it's like a physical then I don't know. representation yeah. of how you feel about someone because you put in time and thought and effort and whatnot and that's how I feel about crafting a nice message to someone like on, if someone's yeah. birthday, I'll sit yeah. and spend like an hour on it and I care like so much about the words being perfect whereas they'll just be like okay and- and I feel like I feel like Grace I'm really similar and I feel like that's why I find it difficult to have kind of like um you know like if someone texts me and is like and are like how are you going often I'm so busy that I I can't even like I can't even really register or look at it or think too much about it because I want to be able to reply in a really like thoughtful and it takes time and effort to reply but it just ends up sitting there and then it becomes this really overwhelming, almost project type thing. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, you just put so much value in words that you feel like every word you say has to have like this huge emotional weight behind it. Like I remember talking to my friend and she was like, I don't care if my boyfriend says I love you. Like it's completely irrelevant to me. I was like, oh, oh, oh. And she was like, I don't yes. care if he says I'm pretty. I don't care if he says he loves me. I don't care about that. I just care about him like turning up, like doing his fair share of housework, coming to stuff with my family. Like that's to me the only thing yeah. that matters and I just couldn't even get my yeah. brain yeah I that. feel less I feel more like that as well yeah right yeah never would need someone to say those things to me like if I said I love you and you didn't say I love you too I'd be like well that's fucking weird but you don't need them to just but, say like, it into, yeah. no words of affirmation like are so important to kind of know because because I'm quite I like pick up on vibes from people or at least I think I can same, so yeah, same I'm, actually. If, I need like reassurance. Yeah, so if I'm left in like a zone of being like, I'm getting this real kind of like feeling from you and there aren't words to kind of like alleviate or explain a situation, uh, it's too much for me. And I think even in social situations, I, you know, if I'm shy or feeling a little insecure or, you know, it's a party and I don't know half the people I'll generally I'll overcompensate in a way that I become even more extrovert to try and make mm-hmm. everyone feel really comfortable mm-hmm. so that I kind of get it back or something yeah totally I'm like that yeah same and you say I feel like when you're like that you're very good at like get making a really good educated guess about what people want to hear and you kind of just parrot yeah. things back to them because you're like, okay, if we're having a conversation, then they like me. And if they like me, that's good. So, like, I can just kind of figure out what the thing is. Oh, I know. Oh. We've been seen. It's hard because it's, I don't think it's a bad, it's like necessarily a bad thing, but it can be a bad, th- like, caring too much about being liked, I think, can be a really bad thing that I'm trying to deal with. But yeah, yeah same. And like, actually, it's exhausting so exhausting so exhausting trying to like one make people feel really comfortable all the time where we're actually it's something i want to instill in earl as he grows up is that feeling uncomfortable isn't just because it makes you feel a certain way isn't necessarily a bad feeling mm. Mm. and that like um it's not your job to it's your job to be kind and thoughtful and move throughout your world with really good intent but it's not your job to try and like make people feel comfortable and like if your opinions are different to others that's a good thing because that's where then it becomes a challenge and and that's how humans learn from each other right and I think that's that's the key thing to remember for me is like instead of trying to like 
make things really smooth for everyone else all the time that actually if I am just myself people will either love me or you know or they won't and who wants people around who don't love you 100% anyway or get on with you or I think when you're young and you're in primary school and high school all you want to do is fit in and all you want to do is fit in and be like everyone else and be the same as everyone else and then as soon as you get to university you realize that every single person who's different is what is the person that everyone loves like yeah. every person who's just themselves and who just is a little bit weird and a little bit wacky and has different quirks and dresses differently and likes this shit that no one else has heard of. Those are the people that everyone is drawn to and everyone loves. But when you're in high school, you're trying so hard to beat every sense of individuality out of yourself mm-hmm. to fit in with everyone else around you. It's so weird. I remember getting oh. to uni and being like, oh, all of the shit that like exactly how I would be if I wasn't trying to be like everyone else is what how everyone would what like makes you so much you. it's what makes yeah. you you it's crazy isn't mm. it and you're like how it's did those sad. people in high school have the like resilience of character to just be themselves you know how there were just those people that you feel like just came out as themselves and they just never like got affected by yeah. all the shit in the world telling them to change i was like god i just wish yeah. i fucking had that Same. yeah i i know and 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 i think like since having a a, a kid it's it's even more like oh my god like he's gonna go to school like Mm. is he gonna get teased what if he gets bullied what would I say to him what if he's the bully what if he's mean to people like and I I think like you know I want to be able to instill like really nice things in him so that he can be a beautiful person right Mm. but then but then (laughs) I have this like complex kind of thought where I'm like I, I have no control like he came out of me and then I have to just like goodbye Sitting like you're your own person and and actually is he like coming back to what I was saying when you you know went through that really awful breakup and it was really difficult for you if someone had said to you don't do that don't do this don't date him and then you didn't experience the hardship you wouldn't learn and so you can't actually wrap kids in cotton wool and expect them not to experience things because that's where the best lessons come from but at the same time all you want to do is protect them or your friends yeah. or you know yeah it's yeah it's such it must be such a hard one as a mother because you're just like i can't handle seeing and, my little baby get hurt. Yeah. and it's the whole thing of like i don't even really feel like myself i've worked it out even for me as a, yeah. as a, yeah. as a human woman i don't feel like i've figured out what you know, I'm not a completely perfect person. And so I feel, you know, like obviously Earl wasn't planned. He was a beautiful surprise gift from the universe. And <laughs> but I like, met him in your belly when he was 10 weeks old. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. You did. Yeah. It was oh so cute. And you were so sick. And I was bringing you uh, oh. wet face cloths in bed while you were all vomit. Oh my god, yeah. It's so cute and special. Like it's actually so I was thinking that before when you were talking, I was like, it's so crazy how that feels like it was just yesterday when you oh were lying in the bed god. holding your stomach, being like, Don't tell anyone, but I'm in the really early stages of pregnancy and now here. I was like, feels like no time has passed. Oh god, it's so, so traumatic. Sick. I was like, get, I was like, I was like, get in the Uber, we need to go and get falafel. <laughs> Georgia was like had her head hanging out the side of the Uber. <laughs> But worth it for the falafel. Oh, worth totally. It. Well, it's the same place we went. I was going to say, I think about that place like multiple times a week. It's 
so fucking good. Yeah. When you guys emailed me and were like, we need a dinner party topic. I was I know, like, we really freaked people out, out with out the with dinner that, party yeah. topics. I think it was I a was bad like, move on I our part. So, I was like, I'm so uninteresting. I was like, I'm the no. most boring person on the planet. All I do is work and then hang out with my son and, and Lou and then I just go to bed. <laughs> Same. I know, we freaked everyone out. Like our other guest on this week, a girl called Tilly, she was like, God, I don't really attend that many dinner parties it sounds very fancy and i'm not sure what to say and we were like oh fuck we literally meant just like we just meant like when you get drunk with like a bunch of your friends and then you just get onto this topic and then you can you just so my dinner party topic would be literally would have been like the fact that matthew mcconaughey's on a sleep app and now i want to fuck him that would have been it yeah i reckon matthew mcconaughey but also do you know who else i have a crush on in the celebrity realm oh let's play a guessing game yeah Okay, so um, if, if it was the 90s, this guy would be the same kind of type as, like, a Johnny Depp, um, oh. uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. He's kind of like the new... But is he, is he there? Oh, so he's the new one. Timothy. Okay. I was going to say, is he their era? Yes, Timothy. Is he? I love yes. him too. Yeah, good choice. Yeah, love him. Oh my god, I'm so obsessed with him. He's like the Johnny kind of new Johnny guy, but then I love that he's such a soft boy. Oh yeah, he's way he's way more um he's he's not he's not like typical hot either. Yeah, yeah. So my guy who I (laughs) we just sound so old, it's so funny. We're like (laughs) Has anyone heard of this new young guy called Timothy Chalamet? And then I'm about to say, I literally last year discovered, this is so insane, but I just discovered who Harry Styles was in terms of how cool he is and charming he is. And I know he's, and you already knew he was stylish and quite hot, but I'm just like, you are just everything. You're just (laughs) perfect. I can't. I know. (laughs) <laughs> you're everything. He is literally perfect. You're like, not only gorgeous, but you're stylish and charming and I, English um, and nice. And so stylish, like crazy. Um, Lou, my partner, got me his record that has the posters in it. You know, his big that. posters. And yes, I was like, yes. I want to put them up on the wall. Oh, wait, he like, he's naked in one of them, right? Yeah, he's kind of like covering his willy and yes, coming out of a vagina naked, yeah. or a heart or something. Yes. I saw him show that on Alan when I was YouTubing every single video he's ever been in. <laughs> I've already done it. I, re- yeah, I reckon that is I a did that recently. Thing. I know more about Harry Styles than Harry Styles knows about Harry Styles. Same. He is divine. Mm-hmm. And his album is actually fucking good. Insanely good. It's so good. That was my breakup album, Georgia. Oh, uh, lucky you. Falling. What that song, Falling, literally, was just oh. the, the one. Oh, my God. I'd be on the fucking... Train I also love. I also. I also really love his song Cherry. Yeah, same. it has his ex girlfriend um, kind of like talking yeah. at the end. Cool, cool. And his ex girlfriend's <laughs> just the coolest, hottest thing I'm like, in the world oh, as well, which oh makes him God. even Finger hotter. Monkey. Finger monkey, yeah. right? Yeah, oh. yeah. And then she just broke up with him and now goes out with this billionaire art dealer who's also fucking hot and she just doesn't care about Harry Styles. I'm like, God. oh my God, I didn't. I haven't even researched this. Who is this guy? Yeah, so she goes out with this guy called. Theo Narcus or something and his parents own like the biggest art collection in the world so that's why in uh, Cherry or one of the songs he goes does he take you walking around his parents gallery gallery. that's yeah yeah 
Wow. So, yeah, and then wow. she just doesn't give a fuck about Harry because I think he, it sounds like he cheated on her. Yeah, because he said something He said something about wondering hands. <laughs> yes, he did. Oh, God, you too. We got it. We're going to release a spinoff podcast with Harry Styles. You should do a spinoff where you just, like, break down every song on the album and, like, exactly what it means. I would love to do that. I just think he's just, he's too, he's just too good. You know, like, that, that picture of him wearing the, I think it's Lanvan men's um, vest that has the sheep. Yeah. The sheep all over yeah. it. Yeah. And it's, like, an homage to Princess Diana. She wore a really similar jumper. It's I'm, just too much. I'm just like, I know. Okay, let's get onto a podcast question quickly in terms of do you have a recommendation from isolation that you've been loving? There are books that will be really relevant to your, your, your readers who are either planning on having a baby, have a baby, or are in fact a parent. Okay. But I feel like they're... Okay, this one. <laughs> <laughs> Hypnobirthing. The Mongan Method. It's basically okay. about how um, how to give birth in a really beautiful and calm way. It doesn't matter whether you're having a C-section or wanting to have a home birth. This book, like, cha- absolutely changed my life. Wow. The breathing techniques that it teaches you have helped me with, like, ongoing anxiety and stress and have basically made me, I like to think, 90% calmer. I have... I have that like crazy, that fear that women have, like that petrified fear of giving birth. I have it so bad. So same. Well, I did. So I was like, when I got pregnant, I was like, I cannot, I cannot do it. It has been my largest fear from being little. It was like, I don't want to push a child out. Mm -hmm. And then I, I was in so much denial that I didn't, I didn't actually get a midwife until I was about 19 weeks or something which is really late. And then it just so happens that Lou, my partner, his mum is a midwife and is kind of, you know, she's she's for like a natural birth, which was like kind of stressful for me because I was like, book me in on a Thursday at 1 p.m. I'm having mm-hmm. a C-section type thing. Knock me out. Which I'm also, I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm just saying that for me, what, what this helped me with was removing fear. So like I went into my labour not being frightened at all and it was just the most empowering experience of my life wow when you mentioned yoga and the and how breathing has really helped you and being connected to your body that's basically what this teaches yeah like hypnobirthing i literally got myself in my labor into an extreme like deep meditative state to a point where like I know this is like a big claim, but like labor wasn't painful. God. Yeah, my mum um did the same thing. Yeah. I literally breathed him out. Until I was breached. <laughs> and then she was like, fucking get me get her out of here. And and like that's the thing. This isn't this isn't like me being like, everybody could have a natural birth at home with no drugs. And like I'm not trying to shame women. I feel like every option, it's it's not about yeah. what actually happens. It's about your headspace and feeling confident and empowered and not having fear. And like I think if that that's a gift that you can give yourself before your child comes along, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Love that. Yeah. I love that recommendation. And I also love your disclaimer because obviously 
necessary, but I find it annoying that it's necessary because you're literally just saying something that worked for you that yeah. you, that you're, I, I, it's a sensitive subject for me. <laughs> Last week I was like, I'm taking this hormone supplement, which is really clearing my skin. And then heaps of people had a go at me for recommending something that when people should go to the doctor and find out their own things. And I'm like, yes, obviously everyone can live for themselves and do all that. But I was just saying that this is just something that I like. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it, it is, it is <laughs> annoying having, having to put in a disclaimer, but I do feel like pregnancy yeah. and labor and like anything to do Very with touchy children subjects. is like, yes. it's so polarizing. So it's almost like religion. Mm. Well, it's, a, yeah. Cause I find that as well. Like I've always been very open since I was young about being like, I don't know. I've never felt maternal. Yeah. Oh, and then I, I feel either. like, and I feel like whenever I say that to anyone who, any of my friends who have kids or or any, I don't know, I always feel like it's, it's like an us and them thing. And I'm like, it's not an us and them thing. Like I'm stoked for you and your kids and they're fucking cute. And I love my godsons and I love all these kids. And you know, it just suddenly feels like this war. Like it's, it's so touchy. It's as if they, people think you're kind of judging them for their, life choices Choice. when it's just like we're all just it is what it is chugging it's not like, along we're all just so and, different and, i saw like 70 cats and i don't think anyone else wants that but i'm not angry at you guys yeah exactly oh, everybody everybody <laughs> should have 70 cats <laughs> so um, okay should we so, wrap this up well yeah unless you want to hear one more book <laughs> no please go on <laughs> um this book is the complete buddhism for mothers great i love that I wanted to be a Buddhist for ages, well, but then I read there's, so there's like twelve rules you have to live by, and a couple of them were crazy. Yeah, I'm I'm not um, a Buddhist, but I found this book really, really, really nice. Um, and if you're a mother, I highly recommend it. Shall I read the back? Yes, <laughs> go on. We don't want to break you, you, a tradition. I won't be offended if you cut this out. Okay. All right. Parenthood can be a time of great inner turmoil for a woman. Yet parenting books um, invariably focus on nurturing children, ra children rather than mothers who struggle to raise them. These books are different. Together for the first time, these three bestsellers, Buddhism for Mothers, Buddhism for mothers of young children and Buddhism for mothers of skilled children. Explore wow. the joy skilled of children. being. Yeah, look how it's a thick is. old book. Look at it, and there's the three different book. versions. Um, explore the joy of being with your children in, in the all important present moment. In these books, mothers have found the inspiration to be more patient, loving, and attentive towards their children and other family members, other parents, and most of all themselves Aww. love that that sounds wonderful self-love people self-love yes <laughs> it's actually more, more important than anything <laughs> like, sorry i'm just laughing you, at you reading the book how can you be a good friend good lover good mother good anything if you don't love yourself yeah or no look, this is no, no, my no, white tattoo says georgia it says love yourself first in arabic <laughs> i love it <laughs> selena gomez it's, has the same it's one it's a great message to you know if there's one message it's that yeah i agree it'll get you it'll get you through it's like everything. on rupaul's drag race he says he says it's like how you <laughs> oh have God. to put your <laughs> he's just gonna exit this conversation you have to put on your life mask 
in a plane emergency before you can tend to others. So you've got to have your own oxygen flow going before you can help other people. It's so true. I love this conversation. I hope Same. I haven't been too boring. No. No, you've been great, Georgia. Shall we wrap it up? Thank Let's wrap it up. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> it was such a pleasure to talk to you. It was so nice to see you both and to have a conversation not with Earl or Lewis or Ollie, my stinky dog. <laughs> stinky, snorry dog. My snorry, stinky dog. Take care. Yeah, you too. Thanks, George. We'll speak to you soon. Yeah, talk soon, ladies. Love you. Bye. 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 Okay, I think it's all good now. Yay. Hi, thank you so much for joining us. Are you Kiwi? Yeah, I'm yeah. home in New Zealand at the moment and it's like oh, so... Hi. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's so nice because we both live in London together, but I basically bailed when all this coronavirus stuff happened. I think that's possibly quite smart. Grace, are you in Sydney or are you in London? I'm in London, yeah. we So we just got here in like December. Mm. The problem was that like my boyfriend's family all live in Sydney and my family all live in Perth. So we were like, should we go back? If we go back, where will we go? And then we're like, fuck it, we'll just ride it out. But it's, it's actually honestly been okay, touch wood. Like not okay for the health workers and stuff but yeah like day to day it's been okay i was actually speaking to one of my friends in london this morning and she was like so what's the mortality rate in like a straight like what how many people have died <laughs> yeah. like what like 20 something thousand in uk and i was like oh 71 and she was like do you mean 771 i was like no literally 71 people like that's it it's oh like, in australia yeah only 71 that's like so good I know. I'm like I'm it's amazing yeah it's like it feels a bit bizarre like it's like i feel like obviously like I don't know, we've had like a few things in our favor in terms of weather and like, you know, like not a high density population, but it's also just like really weird to kind of feel like we're fluking it, you know? Yeah, totally. And my, my one of my best friends is a nurse and she was saying that um, like weirdly because they put off all these non-essential surgeries, nurses have like less to do than ever in Australia at the moment because they they were expecting this influx yes. and it just hasn't happened. Yeah, it hasn't happened. And also they also let all these nurses go from private hospitals that were mainly elective surgeries. So it's actually like a lot of the healthcare workers aren't even like that busy. It's very, very weird. But they're apparently bringing back elective surgeries next week. So things might. Right. But yeah, so I, I guess to start with like, firstly, how are you finding isolation, which is like the big question? And secondly, is there something you've been reading or watching that has been helping get you through? 
Um, I mean, I feel like I'm really, really lucky in isolation because I have a car and I live near the ocean. So I've still been able to like go for a drive without, you know, by myself without going on public transport and risking like infecting anyone or being infected and like go for a swim. I mean, I know it's technically, it was technically illegal to swim. Well, it was kind of unclear. They said that the beaches were closed, but swimming counts as exercise. So it was like, if I run across the beach really fast and get in the water is what I'm doing. (laughs) Fine. Yeah. That's what I have. Yeah. That's literally the same in New Zealand. I was like, I just want to fucking jump in for two seconds. And I'm in this tiny town. And my friend who I'm staying with was like, seriously, the town Facebook group will fucking go bananas. If you get, if you put one foot in the water, there was a post on the Facebook group of some woman going, um, who, who stole my bananas. And then someone was like, they were in the community garden and then she like lost her shit over someone stealing her bananas, Grace. That's crazy. That's like, but that's what community Facebooks are like. Like my, I come from like a country town and like I'm in the community Facebook for my country town. And there was one the other day about this man who like put a, like (laughs) he glued a gnome to a rock and then someone (laughs) took the gnome off the rock and put it somewhere else. And he did this full post and at the end he was like people who touch the gnomes don't deserve to live in Bellingen they don't deserve to visit Bellingen and I'm like, like what is this like arbitrary thing that like you cannot live in this town if you touch gnomes like who touched the gnome but yeah lockdown's been, lockdown's been okay actually I haven't like I mean I obviously like really miss my friends and I'm like stressed about the state of the world as like a you know like but like for me personally, like it hasn't. Um, yeah, I feel the same. Actually, been too too bad. Um, and I don't also feel like it's like appropriate to kind of like center yourself as like having a really rough time if like actually by comparison to a lot of people you're like fine. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Because there's been like a we're all in this together vibe, and it just sometimes feels a bit like because eh, it's it's not really that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not. We're not all equally in it together, really. Like it's like. People, people are in completely different circumstances. Like some people, are, yeah, anyway. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's been fine. Um, we wanted to introduce, obviously, you and your, like, what you do and your activism. And I mean, I don't know if you would necessarily use that term, but I thought I might just quickly explain the first, and I think mm. maybe the only time I've met you, um, was at a house party in Annandale. And I've been talking to you for about two or three minutes. And then you were like, I got to go be interviewed by the BBC for their live radio show. And I was like, what the fuck? Because I think I was like 23. Um, it was so impressive. And you were talking about how you had started this this movement, which had gone completely viral. And I wondered if you minded uh, explaining that and explaining how you kind of blew up on the world stage at that time. Yeah. So that's kind of basically what happened. I think I was like 20. Yeah, I was 21. Um, and I read this Mamma Mia article and Mamma Mia, I guess is like for people who don't know, it's kind of like light sort of like mainstream feminism, um, like feminism sort of like accessible to people, but like a lot of it is like really, I'm not a fan of anyway, they wrote this article, um, an anti-sex work article that was like talking about how like, you know, everyone imagines that Julia Roberts from Pretty Woman is the like face of prostitution, but actually the face of prostitution is this like drug addicted, like beaten up woman lying in a gutter and that women were being enticed into like sex work by watching Pretty Woman. What? When has that like Pretty Woman? Sorry, that just surprised me so much. I know, I, like, I know. It's so I, offensive like, as I, well, yeah. 
Yeah. I also like she doesn't make like she doesn't make that much money in Pretty Woman. Like she actually ends up being like kind of rescued by like a man who's in love with her. So I feel like it's not. I don't know. I I don't feel like you would watch that and be like, oh, this looks like a great like career move. Like yeah, never have I ever like that's like I'm obsessed with Julia Roberts. I was like, wait a minute, Julia is being brought into this. I know Julia being brought into it. Yeah. Um, and then basically what happened was I wrote a response to it on my Instagram at the time. And I said like something like, I can't exactly remember what it was, but something like there's like no one face of prostitution. There's like a myriad and people like exist between the sort of like high end, like escort, like kind of thing that like luxury escort that people imagine. And then like the completely um, passive taken advantage of like victim, like most people exist somewhere between those. And I hashtagged it like, and I said, oh, here's like my, like I'm one face of prostitution amongst like many. And I hashtagged it faces of prostitution. And the hashtag went viral, um, I think for a few reasons, like firstly, because um, I mean, like sex work is such like a salacious and like contentious topic anyway. But like, I think also it allowed a lot of sex workers internationally to mobilize using social media Um uh, effectively, not that they hadn't been before. Like, I don't want to say like I I began that, but I think perhaps a, a viral hashtag hadn't been used in that way before to connect um, sex workers globally. Um, but yeah, it was also just about like you know like I feel like in films and things like usually sex workers are nameless and they're just kind of bodies. Like they might be like a murdered worker in a TV show or whatever, and we're never really focused on as like humans and individuals. And that was like the kind of the thing behind the faces. And that's such that's a. So- so it's cool. so yeah and that's such a um especially in your instagram you're, you're such a beautiful writer and you write so eloquently and you're a feminist and an activist and the way that you write about your work i think does offer it's like what you what you're doing isn't kind of i don't know how to frame this properly but it's like it feels radical because we've been given such a singular narrative about what mm. sex work looks like when obviously so many sex workers are eloquent and are, are extremely well-written and are articulate and are feminists, but because we aren't given that representation, it feels completely radical to see that. And is that kind of something that you felt in how people respond to you? Totally. But I feel like another important thing is that like we, I, I shouldn't be given, like I shouldn't be accepted as a sex worker because I'm eloquent and a feminist and things like yeah, that yeah, because yeah. there are plenty of sex who aren't eloquent and feminists. And like, I feel like what, it, I mean, the one thing I always say is that like, you know, we don't deserve human rights because we're respectable. Like we deserve human rights because we're human. So like, I do mm. think people like respond to me because I can um, get like complex topics across in like a simple way that like is relatable for people. Um, but like, I don't, I don't want people to accept me at the expense of other sex workers. Do you know what I mean? Like her work's okay because like she's this and that and she's intelligent, blah, blah, blah. But like, you know what I mean? I loved your TED talk so much. Um, I thought you were incredible and you got so many points across. And for someone who was worried about a video call, you did bloody well. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I actually have a really funny story about that if you want, like, a side story. Oh, please. Yes, please. Um, So, like, they had that day when I did it, they didn't have any, like, um, their headsets or whatever they're called were, like, um, for men, even though most of the speakers that day were women. So when they put it on me, it was, like, way too big for me, but it was, like, they tried to make it work. And when I went out on stage, I flicked my hair because, like, I often flick my hair and I flicked uh-huh. the headset off. So, like, the first, oh, the first like, <laughs> that, like, so I ended up just, like, kind of speaking without, like, 
like audio so that like the video you actually see is like me filmed later in the day with no audience and then they cut it like with oh. the audience to try and like I'd spoken oh my god the sounds fucked up but the funny thing is is that when they were like um fixing me up to speak later to no audience and like pretend that I was speaking to an audience um they were doing a sound check and the woman was like, okay, like, can you count to like 10? And I counted to 10. And she was like, can you say 16? And I said 16. And she's like, mm, there's still a bit of like, there's still a bit of feedback on those S's. And I was like, oh, that's actually my list. <laughs> like, my friend I live with right now has like the biggest lisp ever. And his name is Storny. And it's just the cutest thing ever. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, I mean, I've always found it cruel that the word lisp like makes you lisp if you have a lisp. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I asked for the footage of that as like a blooper, but they, Ted, wouldn't give it to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You want to, you literally want that footage of you whacking the headset. Did you whack it off? I like, yeah, like flicked it and then couldn't get it back on properly. Yeah. yeah. It was like kind of partly around my neck. Anyway. I kind of wanted to ask. So um, I don't want to sound, what's the word? uninformed but I don't actually know all that much about sex work and I think that probably a lot of people who listen to the podcast don't either I didn't even know until I was watching your TED talk that New Zealand was the first country in the world to decriminalize sex work yeah and I kind of wanted to know is is the biggest thing that sex workers globally in your opinion are fighting for is for it to be decriminalized everywhere and what would that kind of do why is it so important and what would that do for sex Um. workers I should just quickly note that New Zealand, unfortunately, doesn't have full decrim. They don't actually allow migrant sex workers, which is like quite a contention. Really? Yeah, yeah. But otherwise, they have otherwise they have decrim. Um, that's like one flaw in their system. Um, yeah, yeah. So decrim is obviously like a huge. I feel like this is like such a big topic to get into. There's actually like a really excellent um, TED talk by uh, a sex worker called Juno Mac about why decrim best policy for sex work and there's also like a really excellent book that I recommend called Revolting Prostitutes which which goes into the different um legal frameworks that exist around the world and explain why but like a basically a basic overview is um so a lot of people for example use legalize and they'll say like legalized prostitution but I think because people get confused with like the legalized marijuana movement and they're like legalization must be the best thing but the reason why decrim is the best thing is because with legalization it um basically allows for um places that have legalization to say this is legal um this isn't and have sort of like gray areas um of so for example in in victoria they have a legalization model it's legal to work in a brothel but it's only legal to work um privately if you're registered um which is like obviously a problem because like registering sex workers, but not people in other industries, like those, though their personal details yeah, yeah, yeah. out there and they can get stigma for being a sex worker, all that kind of thing. Um, in other, in other places, like a legalization model could be that it's um, legal to work privately, but illegal to work with someone else. Um, and so it basically leaves all of these kind of like hoops in which like sex workers can be, can be caught in and also creates a hierarchy mm. system in which some sex workers are working legally and some are working illegally. And often the ones who end up working illegally are the ones with less resources. And, um, the reason yeah. why decrim is important is because it decriminalizes anything relating to sex work. So even if you're, well, basically the reason why it's completely reductive to criminalize sex workers is because so often sex workers are doing it because they don't have other, um, 
financial avenues. They might be like working class, they might be a single mother, they might be a black trans woman. Um, and like putting someone in jail because they're poor and need to do sex work is just not effective for actually getting them out of sex work. It just keeps them in that sort of cycle of poverty. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but it's it's like such a... Such a huge thing, yeah, because I saw it. Yeah. Well, I just saw so much about it last year, but I think that was because there was a huge debate in the States because of... Yeah, and I think they were talking about decriminalising sex work in maybe New York or something. And like, that, right. So in America, it's completely illegal except for Nevada, which has a legalisation model. So it means that you can work in brothels, but um, no other way. Yeah. What would be like one of the main things you would want to communicate to people to kind of help them understand sex work or like the biggest misconception you think people have about it? Biggest misconception people have. One of the things that bothers me um, is that people always want you to be, okay, so they're ready to support you if they think you're entirely happy in the work and you love your work, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. Whereas like I don't think like empowerment or happiness should be a prerequisite for being allowed to work. Do you know what I mean? Like no one's asking someone in a bank job, like, do you love your job every day? If you don't love it every day, then your job should be illegal. Um, so that's something that frust- frustrates me. You kind of have to perform a kind of gleefulness about your job, which you may not feel. And I, I personally like go against that. Like I always deliberately talk about the bad aspects of the job too, like sexual assault or like burnout, um, you know, the emotional toll and things like that. Because I think that, I think that people accepting something only on the basis of it as a like sort of romantic glamorizing, that's not real acceptance, you know? Like I think that people should support sex workers regardless of how we feel about our jobs, you know? Yeah, that's something I was thinking about as well because it's like um, I feel like it happens to a lot of things in like feminism and feminist conversation where things get kind of like dressed up or dressed down to a point where they feel palatable and consumable and sugary and okay. And if it's like framed that way, then we're okay with it. And then that just becomes kind of difficult or problematic because then it's like, well, that's kind of being deliberately unnuanced or it's kind of deliberately ignoring the reality of the situation just so everyone can smile and feel okay about it. Exactly. And like life is complicated. Like you're going to have complex feelings towards things. I'm like, that's okay. Like we should be able to have space. Um, One thing I wanted to ask was obviously that there's a huge amount of job anxiety at this time for Mm. everyone. People are being furloughed or people are losing their jobs or people are – losing work um how has the lockdown affected you in terms of work and do you feel like there are maybe uh is there something to do with how the government is organizing bailouts that is not including sex workers yeah so i mean i my i lost my work when the brothels closed um in new south wales and that was really stressful but i was i'm luckily in a position where i can do online work um because like i'm face out so it's all so i've been like selling videos and content and stuff on only fans um a lot of like a lot of sex workers wouldn't be able to do that whether because they can't they might be a single mom and they don't want to lose custody of their chil- uh, children or something like that and um so they can't have uh, it would be too risky for them to have you know content online or maybe they don't have access to the internet or whatever so uh, for a lot of sex workers unfortunately that um trans uh transfer isn't possible um, Um, And also like the internet is flooded right now with so many sex workers trying to um, survive and also um, the online sex workers that already existed there. Um, 
And it is, it can be complicated for sex workers to get on Centrelink um, because it can be hard to prove income and hard to prove loss of income. And also sometimes we sort of fall in this like weird area of like, are we um, independent contractors or are we employees? Like it's all just like a bit weird. Um, also, there are plenty of sex workers who are migrants um, and who wouldn't be able to get Centrelink um, for that reason. Um, in Australia though, like we are better set up than like a lot of other places because for example in um new york they're not even giving coronavirus support to anyone who works in any sex industry like including anyone who like works at a sex shop or works in porn or whatever so there are there are lots of places where like um you're excluded from any sort of aid um if you're in the sex industry um there has been some fucked things in australia though in terms of um well for example the first business that was fined um in australia for not listening to lockdowns was um a massage parlor and the three workers that were on that day were fined a grand each which i just find so ridiculous because when you think about these um women who like went to work probably like scared knowing they were breaking the law like they were probably so in need of money to do that so to like find them on top of that is just like I think the most awful thing like give them other avenues like help them get on Centrelink like um and I also think that it's not it's not a coincidence that a massage parlor was targeted as the first place to be fined when a lot of a lot of businesses weren't listening um to the rules I think that they chose a massage parlor because there's the kind of like age-old like um prejudice in people's minds about like sex work being dirty and it being you know a vector for disease and things like that so I feel like that's why that was targeted um Victoria unfortunately has brought in like some really anti-sex I mean anti-sex work legislation um in the wake of coronavirus they have now so like in New South Wales you get like a thousand dollar fine if you like leave the house for like not a valid reason or whatever so like in New South Wales if I decided to meet up with a client I would risk a thousand dollar fine like anyone else right mm-hmm. But in Victoria, they've brought in a sex work specific fine. If you do a booking in Victoria with a client, you fine twenty thousand dollars. Oh my god, Jesus! Yeah, which is just so and and that's crazy as well. I know it's a completely different thing, but aren't people allowed to? Isn't it a thing in Australia where you're allowed to see your partners, or if you're dating someone, yes, you're allowed to see you're allowed to see them if, even if you don't live in the same place. Yeah, so it's really weird because you could fully. I feel like if it was maybe a regular client that you saw all the time, yeah. argue that it was care based or it was some sort of like ongoing relationship. But I know the courts would look down upon it because of the exchange of money, um, which is like yeah. it's it's all really fucked. Um, and also, like I can imagine, as the the virus started, there obviously would have been a lot of anxiety anyway because it's such a a a body to body work there's people that are coming in and out like you would obviously have anxiety about the virus but then the added anxiety of feeling like you were going to be targeted and fine to do your job it would just compound on top oh, of everything totally. yeah I mean, mind you though, I know that some people are freaking out about the virus and I, I work at a mainly Asian brothel and I can say that it fucking dropped off from January as soon as like as soon as like coronavirus started happening in China so many clients weren't coming in because most of our girls the girls working there are Chinese right. and they like had this, this idea that they were more likely to have coronavirus which is just ridiculous because they're living in Australia yeah. anyway um but I like and I do know a lot of sex workers that were kind of panicking about catching coronavirus I personally wasn't I I feel like I, we like are at the risk of contracting a lot of things at work and 
I personally would be more concerned about catching a um, an STI that would make it illegal for me to work in future um, rather than like coronavirus. But that's, that's just me personally. I feel like there, there are body risks in sex work that always exist. Like coronavirus was like not a new fear for me, you know, like. Well, we've talked a lot about your work. Is there anything that uh, you would, I know this must be frustrating because it's like this conversation is so important to have and we want people to hear it and we want to be having it, but it must also get exhausted because it's like who else in the world is like so like <laughs> defined by their job, you know what I mean? Like and and always asked yeah, about their job. Yeah. Like I imagine that that dichotomy must get a bit annoying sometimes. Well, I mean, I feel like it's important to use like whatever platform I can to speak about it because like people tend to be so ill informed on it. But yeah, at the same time, I'm also like I am more than a sex worker. So, um, but um, in terms of I think you asked earlier, what have I read or watched in lockdown? I did read a really good book this week called In the Dream House, which I highly recommend, which was a um, autobiography by an American woman whose name I've forgotten. Sorry. Um, but she, it's all about her experience in a like, queer relationship with another woman, woman and the domestic violence that occurred in that relationship. And it was... I'm sorry to interrupt. Mm-hmm. I feel like she, I might have listened to her speaking on a podcast about it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Does it, is it recent? Did it come out recently? Yeah, maybe like end of last year or something. And it's- yeah, yeah, I listened to her speak about it. She like read, a, I think she read a passage from it or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was really good, especially because I feel like there's so little. I mean, I've been in an abusive relationship with a woman, and I've found so um, few um, things like texts that deal with domestic violence and queer relationships. Um, so mm. I really enjoyed it. Plus, it's like beautifully written. Um, and it's one of those books where you can like read like a few pages and then put it down. So it's kind of like, I feel like perfect in lockdown when your attention span is maybe like easily distracted. It seems quite, uh, quite a dark read though. Like, do you find that that impacts if you, so for me, uh, in lockdown, I've been trying to kind of keep things very, uh, lowbrow and been watching like crappy Netflix shows because if I read something yeah. like that that's too intense it affects my mood does that happen to you or not really no not really I feel like any world yeah, that I can good. escape into is like a distraction for me right now like um it's yeah. kind of cathartic to read things that are really emotional <laughs> yeah I feel yeah. Like yeah my friend's the same yeah. yeah okay well thank you so much for chatting to us and for making it through the zoom anxiety for our sake yeah, yeah. yeah thank you so much Tilly <laughs> it was fine have a lovely rest of your day guys. yeah you too I don't know who you zoom so you guys can hang up right yeah <laughs> <laughs> hello hello Hi. I'm always shocked when zoom works I feel like it never works how are you I'm well how are you ladies good morning I guess are you guys just waking up good morning and good evening you've got us on either side of the spectrum oh cool I have a cocktail. Great. Cheers. I'm in my shirt that I've been wearing for the last four days. Um, yes. But I did put dry shampoo in for you ladies. So I was going to say the hair is looking fresh. Thank you. A little dry shampoo. I've been cutting it myself. Have you? Grace has been mm-hmm. really seriously considering getting an isolation fringe. 
Yeah, so you have like a more rounder face and blonde hair, and you've got the bangs, and they work on. Yeah, my this might be the um the push that I needed. I think you should go for it. Honestly, it's the best (laughs) thing that's ever happened to me. I will say, I I don't do anything to my hair like daily. I just kind of wake up and wing it. And bangs are a pain in the ass. Like you wake up every day, and your hair is like yeah something about Mary when she has the jizz in her hair, and it's like standing up. Um, but. A little brush, a little dry shampoo. And you have to cut it yourself because I feel like constantly going to the hairdresser is just not feasible. And that's the thing. It grows so quickly because it's such fresh hair up here that it's like I have to do it once a week. But my issue is I like smoke weed and then I'm like, I'm going to cut it now. And then it's, I'm going <laughs> to cut my bangs. <laughs> just, just don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. But um, yeah, luckily it's been okay. I figured it out. We wanted to tell you that we are big fans of the cooking show. Oh my gosh. Thank you, ladies. I know it's a bit, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a interesting thing. It kind of came out of nowhere. I've just always wanted to kind of be like a TV personality and I'm not a cook by any means. Like I didn't go to culinary school. I just love cooking and I love having people over and my girlfriends just finally one day were like, okay, enough of talk. Like, let's shoot it. What are you doing tomorrow? We literally just like set up a camera and, and shot it. It's great because I feel like when people make food, they're running like a commentary of what they would say if they were on a cooking show in their head. So the fact that you've executed that is very um, inspirational. Thank you. And it's so funny. When I was a kid, um, I, I'm dying to find this footage, but this is true. I would stand in the kitchen and regardless of what I was making, if it was a bowl of cereal or like a box of mac and cheese, <laughs> I would stand in there and talk to myself and be like, welcome to Cooking with Isabella. Today, <laughs> I'm going to show you how to make my favorite milk and cookies or whatever it was just like, like cocoa pops my, yeah exactly now i have my own cooking show my mom was probably just like she did that shit i did it i made it mom <laughs> i made your cauliflower tacos you did i made Were your they- pasta <gasps> oh good that makes me so happy i was watching your live send you some photos yeah i was watching your live but it was like i think like 1 p.m here and i was like god i just want to get involved with cooking dinner but it just seems outrageous. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing it every week. It's been um, holding me accountable, which has been good. Like having people, even if it's just like three friends of mine, which it is, that rely on me to have dinner for them planned on Wednesday nights. Like it, it gives me something to do, which has been great. I have been a vegetarian my whole life by choice. I think I started when I was about six or seven. Um, and I just thought that there was a huge hole in the market for like approachable, fun, easy vegetarian cooking, especially as a woman host. It's always like my husband loves when I make him these, you know, cauliflower <laughs> wings on game night. And it's like, or these ingredients are like a kumquat from Lebanon that you can't fucking find. Like I want to be <laughs> able to go to my bodega here in Brooklyn and find ingredients and make a plant-based meal, you know, and not have it be this like pretentious, unapproachable. What I love about it is because I've been a vegetarian since I was six or seven too. I can't remember if we've discussed this, but um, (laughs) I, yeah, probably, but I, um, I'm not a very good cook and I don't really like cooking, but I think the reason I don't like cooking is I'm really, really impatient and Mm. I find reading recipes quite overwhelming And so what I've loved about yours is it's just like chill, very easy, but healthy and vegetarian. And I'm like, okay, I can actually do this because usually I'll just literally be like, I can't do it. And I go to a supermarket and I get really overwhelmed really Mm -hmm. easily. 
And so, yeah. yeah. And now in, in quarantine, I'm like having to fend for myself because <laughs> I literally yeah. will rely on takeaways all the time. It's so bad. Yeah. And you can't really do that these days, you know. There's nothing in New Zealand. Like, New Zealand's fully shut down. You can't even get uh, any, like, delivery food or any coffee or anything. It's, like, fully shut. We figured out yesterday that you can order um, in advance from the alcohol store, from, like, the liquor store, and and pick it up outside because we were like, we've run out of tequila. And that would be terrible to not have booze through this. I mean, at first I was like, I can't believe liquor stores in New York, uh, you can't buy wine or booze from the grocery stores. And I'm from Chicago. It's obviously a state thing in the US. It varies by state, but I'm always used to like going and getting a bottle of wine at Whole Foods when I'm grocery shopping. You can't Mm -hmm. do that. You have to have a liquor store, but they're considering liquor stores to be essential business here, which at first I I agree. I was kind of at first like this like they're enabling like my drinking habits not that i have one but a couple glasses of wine a night whatever um but now i'm four margaritas a night whatever yeah a couple of couple of benders a week no i'm kidding but um (laughs) i'm so grateful that they're open bless them putting their lives at risk make sure we can all just have a bloody glass of wine or three every night how have you been surviving isolation and what's new york been like How long have you lived in New York? I've been here for um, a little over eight years now. Mm -hmm. Or I guess, yeah, I moved in 2012 in the summer. So this will be my eighth summer. Um, And, you know, it's kind of like being anywhere else. I'm not leaving my house. So whether I'm quarantined at my mom's house in in Chicago or here, I'm, I'm just not leaving at all. But it has definitely been very surreal. Um, every night at 7 p.m., uh, people clap and cheer for the um, the first frontline uh, healthcare workers, which is amazing. Um, but it's definitely it's definitely sad. It's been really hard uh, as a freelancer. Obviously, like it's not that different from my daily life anyway. I spend a lot of time waiting for jobs and and trying to keep myself busy. So the only difference is that there is no prospect for work, and I don't know if my industry will ever go back to the way it was like we're so sensitive to human interaction and touch now that I can't imagine a makeup artist like touching my face or yeah. breathing my face and putting moisturizer on me. Like it just seems like a total breach of my personal space and bubble, but we have to go back somehow. Um, in terms of like my, how I'm getting through this, I'm just taking it one day at a time. You know what I mean? I, every day is, is, I have different feelings waking up. Um, like I said, the live weekly cooking on Wednesday nights has given me something to look forward to, which I feel a lot of people are lacking during this time. Um, yeah, I mean, I need to exercise daily, whether it's stretching. I love to stretch at night. I've been getting these bursts of energy at like 8 PM where I'm like, I need to stretch my limbs. Um, so I've been doing that. But then I have weeks where I fall off and don't exercise at all. Um, cooking every meal. <laughs> like, yeah, wh- whatever it is, even if it's just egg taco. My favorite breakfast is like egg tacos, which are just scrambled eggs and tortillas with like caramel. Like, I did your yum. trick with the tortillas on the open flame and it's like really changes the game. Yeah, I was just cooking them on the open flame and eating them plain like an animal <laughs> because they tasted so much better. So much better. Like what were you doing before? Just raw tortillas? 
Um, like, like putting them in the oven to warm up. Got it. Which I put them in a pan usually. Got it. To warm them. Yeah, or a pan. But on the open flame, and I was like roasting a fucking large jalapeno pepper on the Damn. open flame, and Zach was like, "When did Alice and <laughs> Roman move in?" Holy shit! <laughs> this is big coming from Grace. I want to do an episode about pantry building. Um, because I know most people are doing like weekly shops. Like that's what we're doing. We just kind of go once to the shop. And for someone like you who's saying, you know, recipe reading can be so overwhelming with all the ingredients. And I feel that like, I don't read recipes, you know, I'm, I'm just off the cuff with my recipes. But if you have the, these simple ingredients in your house, always like these staple spices and vegetable stock, olive oil, these vinegars, you buy them once, you spend the money once, and then you can make a whole, you know. I feel like people would uh, fully pay for that if you were just like, okay, cool. So when you go to the supermarket this week, grab all of this, and then you'll have all the ingredients for these five meals. And you can just like mix and match whatever. And also, another thing I was thinking is that would be so amazing for me would literally be if I could send someone a photo of my pantry and they Mm. say, okay, you could make this 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 or this tonight that's such a good idea because when i look in the pantry literally it can be completely full and i'm like there's nothing here i'm gonna die of hunger wow that's such an interesting thought have you ever watched the show chopped no it's like a a big cooking show here it's a cooking competition and it's like uh four chefs get a mystery box of ingredients and they all have the same ingredients but they like open it up (laughs) it's like master chef it is it's like the master chef yes my favorite do you know do you know master chef Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love oh, it. Okay. All the cooking shows, for the record, yeah. I'm obsessed. Um, but they would have been inspired from the show Chop. It's been on forever. And sometimes the ingredients are like jelly beans, uh, three-day-old pad thai, and it's like crazy shit, and they have to make these meals. But it's really helped me be like, like oh, what can I make with these ingredients? But that's just such an interesting thought. I'm all about alternative Do it sources. for me. Yeah. <laughs> all about generating income somehow i did these plant videos where i showed people like how to propagate a plant and i got so much great feedback everyone was like look i did it and great and at the bottom of the post i was like feel free to send a donation via my venmo (laughs) yes and not a single person like could send me even a dollar i was like whatever i'm happy to give but this is what we need to figure out now because it's so complicated because in the past like this sounds kind of silly and especially considering me and Izzy work in magazines but it's it's hard for us who's only ever worked in magazines when there's been digital to imagine a time where like the only way you could get any content you wanted was to pay for it and now we've completely switched where no one thinks they should have to pay for anything that's useful to them and it's like getting people in the mindset of putting money towards something that will benefit them and that they enjoy when they haven't had to pay for it in the past is so hard. Absolutely. And I would say this pandemic, you know, people have been offering their services, whether it's exercise classes or, um, you know, plant services, uh, therapy, anything that they can offer, yoga, meditation. Um, there's so much competition. Like why would they pay for your service specifically when there's 150 other people doing it for free? Um, so it is challenging. And, and to be honest, like I've done a couple workouts and, you know, sent five bucks or 10 bucks. And then I've done a workout and not, and not sent anything. Not, and just because mm. you forget, or, uh, you know, I don't know, I need to be better at it, but it is an adjustment for sure. 
also a big reason for doing my show was sustainability purposes. Like I want to show people that you can cut meat and dairy out of your diet and still eat really well. Um, and so I think that coming out of this, I hope that we have a little bit more um, awareness for how we spend our money and who we support. And, you know, yeah, I think our voices are going a lot further than they ever have. It's weird that I feel like I've been more social during this time in, in terms of like forming real connections with people. Cause it's one thing to like go out and meet a group for drinks and like get wasted and have a night out, which is what, you know, you do with your girlfriends usually. But now it's like you're staring at a screen and you're, you're, forced to actually talk to each other you know or you lose connection with someone because you don't reach out and then you, life goes on and you separate which is fine but I feel like I have been keeping really close connections with like my close friends and my family and I really know what's going on in their lives which is not much <laughs> same I'm um, like I'm loving like, oh, nothing not, me too yeah <laughs> I'm loving just not having anywhere to be or any commitments to make yeah. I'm just like god I'm not even missing I'm literally not even missing yet going mm. out and drinking he with heaps of people I'm just like I'm missing like going out for a nice dinner with a bunch of my girlfriends or like meeting it. your best friend for brunch yeah you know, yeah um, yeah having a couple mimosas I miss a mani petty more than anything in the <sighs> fucking world like I am so out Same. here it took me one month I'm to desperate the I've got these fucking these. brunette roots shellac like it's just not it's not cute you, you i got to dyed my hair you did like, Fuck oh. it. yeah well i'm i've brewed it anyway and my hair is yeah, actually it's this dark i was actually on one of the hair boxes one year like so long what? ago they're still using my image which is so frustrating because i haven't been paid in like six years for it and they just claim that there's like Fuck, an let's extra. start a campaign against them um yeah like go yes. fund me page like i need money <laughs> yes. for lawyers to take down Okay, yes. so they can afford it. They can afford I, it. They're so petty. I'm I'm hoping no one's listening because, you know, obviously I'd love to work with them again and get money, but yeah. Like. <laughs> we can beat their name out. Do you have a recommendation from quarantine, either a book or a movie or a podcast or something that you feel like people might enjoy? God, you know, I'm terrible because I, I love to just turn my brain off at the end of the day and like watch some mindless TV, much like the Kardashians. But I have just discovered 90 Day Fiance. Oh, this sounds this very sounds up extremely our alley. up our alley. Okay, it's terrible. Like it's I've been watching the before the ninety days, so it's basically a show about um, an American. So they'll be featuring like ten different Americans, and sometimes they're like fat, ugly, kind of rich guys, and then sometimes they're just like <laughs> stupid, really ignorant, like guys that are just sending money to these like Ukrainian girls that are just going out and getting like. Oh my God. Stop! It's ridiculous. <laughs> but the goal is for the non-Americans to get uh, a marriage visa and move to the U.S. So they have. Oh my 90 God! I need to go on this. You guys, this is not where I was expecting it this to go. It is hilarious. <laughs> oh my God. Watch 10, like, 10 hours of your life go by in an in instant. Like my boyfriend and I just sit here and we're just in awe by like the mirror, just like uh, ignorance that these people have. It's hilarious. It's like, yeah, this one girl. Oh my God. I don't even want to get into it because I'm embarrassed that I love it so much. But anyway, it's a it's a wormhole. There's before the 90 days, there's the actual 90 days, and then there's after. The, they're just raking the money in. I'm so keen. Other than that, I just discovered this new 
workout. It's a dance class. I shouldn't even call it a workout. Um, by this guy called Ryan Heffington. Have you heard of him? No. He no. seen like Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, the new seasons, like the new cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this guy looks and has the energy of Jonathan. He's like very right. eccentric, gay, like out here. But he's an amazing dancer and choreographer. So <laughs> yeah. I tried it for the first time today. And it's um, incredible. There was like four th- over 4,000 people tuned into this live dance class. And he's sitting here and he's like dripping yeah. sweat. And he's playing like all female artists. And he's like... Okay, and we're gonna do the magic pony dance, and he's like galloping, and then he's like, no, yes. twirl, twirl, and he's like, work the cape, work the cape, and like, oh, it was, right, um, very spiritual, and it's my new um, regime. I think I'm gonna try and do it like as often as I can. It was, it was incredible. What a release! Yes, it's a workout, but it's been really hard for me to like motivate myself to work out. It's much easier when you're like having fun dancing listening to good music his vibe is so uplifting that sounds very up your alley grace yes i had a similar like come to jesus moment when i was doing a yoga video once Mm. and i just stopped doing it and i was like i hate this i don't know why i keep lying to myself like i just don't like doing yoga it's just boring yeah and i was like what do you actually like doing that gets your body moving and i was like dancing <laughs> so i just started youtubing dance video, dance exercise videos i ended up finding the most insane one it's called hip-hop tabata Ooh, oh. and it's a great workout Wait, shut the fuck up one of my girlfriends <laughs> yes. sent me this workout 30 minutes ago i'm not even lying to you let me show you right now she sent me a <laughs> oh youtube tabata dance class is it yes there are it's a great workout Hold on. Is it Kiera Lachey? Yes. Yes. Wow. The universe is so crazy. The universe. It's aligned. She just has, she's just fun. And the dancers are ridiculous. And they're so embarrassing. And I told Izzy, I started putting blue tech over my webcam when I started doing them. (laughs) So I was like, if there's any way that some sort of ukrainian hacker is like linked Going into my computer the only blackmail they'll get is me doing this dance video you're like applying for a visa in up. the u.s and they're like um we've seen you dance and <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not some incriminating evidence oh. has come in and no that is um, but yeah it's, it's fun exercise should be fun it's a myth that you should um suffer through every minute yeah and i just have i mean i'm um, there's always this pressure to get into meditation. You know, there's like this woken population of people that are like their solution for everything is to start meditating daily. And that's great. And I am not saying it. I'm sure there's incredible benefits and I have no doubt in my mind that I would love it, but I just can't get into it. Like I have no problem not meditating and still taking a moment to breathe and feel gratitude and like know my surroundings and still reap the benefits. But maybe I just haven't found the right guide or program. Yeah, me too. No, I think it's, I watched an interview. I'm like driving myself crazy now, racking my brain who to think it was. It was someone awesome. And she was like, I fucking hate meditation. You're allowed to hate meditation. It doesn't have to be like, you're not a bad person. If you can't figure out how to meditate, yeah. it doesn't mean that you don't take time to think about your intentions for the day. It doesn't mean that you're not like in tune with this well spiritually. It doesn't mean yeah. that you're not thoughtful or mindful. It just means that that way of doing it might not be for effective for you. And that's fine. I was like, that is so liberating. Cause we all sit and feel guilty that we don't meditate. Absolutely. My therapist is, she's trying to get me into doing yoga more but it's for the breathing to kind of calm my mind the mindfulness vibe of it 
And I've never been able to do meditation either. But like randomly last night, I could not sleep. And I remembered that she told me about the Calm app. And so I had it on my phone and I was like half asleep. And I think I fucking signed up and paid money. And then I pressed on this thing and it was Matthew McConaughey reading me a sleep (laughs) book. And he literally read me a, a story, a tale, and his voice put me to sleep. Was he like, all no right, right, all right, time to close the Yes. It was so <laughs> soothing and amazing. And then I found myself yeah. lying there thinking, who does Matthew McConaughey date? And I want it to be me. He's, like, married, I think, and he has a bunch He's of married to this sexy woman called Camilla. Yeah, that's a sexy name. You don't know any ugly Camillas. No. Yeah. Like, fuck it. Maybe Chalbella expands and starts meditating. Fuck it up. Maybe it's like I'm guiding people in meditation. It's like, let's go, bitches. That's the kind of meditation I think a lot of women would resonate with. Right. I, I'm into, like, whatever you're selling me. I want you to start doing dance videos next. You have a strong personal brand. You need to, like, exploit it. We need, like, the merch. Yeah. We need the different types of tutorials. Meditation app I'd get behind. It could be, like, an anti-meditation app. I love it. I feel a little, like... <laughs> cornered myself into this cooking thing and it's like I'm not an expert you know what I mean I just really find cooking to be very therapeutic and I just was like fuck it this is the easiest way to get into this right now but I do want to branch out and I do have all these ideas for the show that are kind of segments you know I go through phases where I'm super confident and I'm like I'm gonna do content today and then you have to like make it but then you just have days where you're like You literally just watch yourself on camera after making something and you're like, this is so embarrassing. Like, what am I doing? That's how I feel all the time. Everyone feels like that. When I listen to myself back when we're editing, I'm like, why do you ever open your mouth? Yeah, I'm like, why the fuck do you think anyone cares about what you have to say? Like, you just get so in your own head. Yeah. And it's just, you must think, like, I'm just ridiculous. And my neighbors, you know, I did that one opera video where I sang The Box. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so obsessed with that. That was. And I was amazing. Like, then my neighbors must just think I'm insane. They're probably just like, what <laughs> is going on? You just hear four hours of me just like, no, and I'm not a singer. So it was just, you know, some people keep track of their life via journaling or um, writing movies, you know, writers and, and making music and poetry and all these things, painters. I just feel that a way that I've kind of looked back at my life is definitely like my Instagram feed. I hate that that's kind of the case, but our whole existence has moved on to um, electronics. You know, it's like the cloud. We don't have any tangible photographs anymore, memories. And it's like, if all I can do is create content, I'm happy to do that. And then I can look back in 10 years and know exactly where I was and what headspace I was in on that day, you know? Same. And then I worry, like I get so kind of I mean we talked about this a million times on the podcast but it's so annoying how kind of Instagram especially for us it needs to become more of a work thing like a Mm -hmm. like it's like your personal brand but for us it's quite work focused it's just so annoying because then I find myself deleting all of these fucking fun moments that I want to look back on in 10 years time and I feel like Instagram's attempt to take away the like count is their way of expressing that Instagram has turned into this popularity contest yeah. as opposed to like an expression of art and perspective. But it doesn't change. Like, I could give a fuck less what people think about me, clearly. But <laughs> when a post gets less likes, I definitely think about it, you know, or I definitely yeah. feel like less. Uh, 
I don't know, less worthy or less, uh, you know, it gives, it's that like my self-worth has come down to, you know, not my self-worth, but like the, the interaction or lack thereof really does affect your perspective on, on your life. However, I think that for a long time, especially in the modeling world, I just felt, um, disillusioned or I'm sorry what's the word like disenchanted by this whole Instagram world because you know as a model on Instagram you get very labeled as certain things and I just feel that like it's okay to fucking post content and love doing it and like make it your life like you Mm. I would think that posting like isn't a job or isn't enough like I hated telling people that I was a model because I never thought that it was like a real worthy career you know I never thought that it was where my life would go and then I fell into it and it was great and I'm very grateful but I need to get that out of my head that voice that tells me that like I need to get a real job and I need to grow up and get a real life like just keep busy doing whatever you love doing and but something me and Izzy talked about as well without getting to like conspiracy theory about it but like the two jobs where women like really majorly earn more money than men are modeling and Instagram influencing. Like they're probably the only two jobs, right? And they're like the two jobs that people make out to be not serious or not real or not whatever. I think there's something to be said for like society wanting to undermine women owning their own er- earning power yeah and you know what i mean if you can earn your living from it, it's a fucking job you should spend time on it and perfect it and make it exactly what you want and not feel embarrassed about it because yeah and you can make a fucking killing from it it's job. like why would you not yeah and i mean i think it's amazing that i think women in general like i am just at a point in my life where i'm like so supportive of my girlfriends and i i'm so grateful mm. for my support from my girlfriends that i'm like always reaching out but it wasn't always the case like I would meet models all the time at events and I'm guilty of thinking like less of them are not taking them seriously it's just something that I feel like we've just kind of always grown up thinking is that like models are dumb and they don't have a voice so they're annoying or you know whatever oh you just think there's not enough room for there's like enough room for lots everyone. of people exactly. you think there's and there is but you're, you're made to feel like there isn't enough and room. also people are just kind of negative towards I think models because it's like you just think they have it easy because they're just beautiful yeah and in many cases <laughs> it is like i mm. would spend i would i was making good money and i would spend 90 percent of my time fucking around waiting for my next job to come in and it's true like it is very easy however nothing in life is like uh, given to you from nowhere like you have to work for it somehow thank you so much for talking to us bella of course Thank yes, you so thank much for you. including me, ladies. I love I love the dinner party series, and I'm super honored to be a part of it. As soon as we can, we're going to be over in the states for a Yay. bit. Yay! So. Oh my god, amazing! Ooh, so we so are all going to be have, seeing you. Yes, we're going to have some drunken nights with some braiding. Okay, yeah. braiding, <laughs> dancing, hip hop tabata, cooking. Okay, hip hop tabata. We'll all be shaking our ass by then. <laughs> yes. Bye, baby. Bye. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina. 